This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. Already controversy over this week's Listener of the Week. And I got, look, I guess that's bound to happen. We're a show that attracts a lot of controversy. My friend Danielle, uh, who is up listening because she had a um, medical procedure and is in a lot of pain, she says, hey, what the heck? How about me actually listening live today? Danielle, it's one day. Donna is listening live day in and day out. Now, uh, hopefully your pain abates and, you know, you're able to go back to your normal schedule tomorrow. But if your wish is to be the listener of the week, you got to listen live every day, at least for a week. All right. Hey, you know, I was going to comment on the <clears throat> dual issues, which I think are somewhat related, of Tucker Carlson's decision to go to Russia to interview Vladimir Putin And the decision of Bill Maher to not air or not post this podcast that he has done with Kanye West. I think they're both sort of related, uh, but I'm not going to get into that today because I have a lot of other issues that I want to get to this hour. And Noam Layden is going to be here as well. And uh, you guys are kind enough to write in. So I'm going to... uh, you know, honor your wishes to read all of your written correspondence, at least as much of it as I can get to. But uh, I'll do that tomorrow. We'll have uh, the Tucker Carlson-Putin discussion tomorrow. Hopefully that interview will drop by tomorrow. We'll have some clips of it, because so far the portions that I've read have been quite interesting. And we'll have that Bill Maher discussion tomorrow as well. But first... Really great pieces of mail this week from the same person, but they both begin by asking me not to read them on air. So I'm not going to read them on air, which I think is a shame because these letters are very funny, very substantive, and very critical. Also neatly typed. You can tell not written by a mental patient somewhere. No offense against mental patients, but I will honor this person's wishes Needless to say, both of these letters are very critical of my grammar and a couple of things that I do with grammar. But I'm not going to tell you what this person says because she has asked me to keep this private. So I will. Um, If you want to send me some snail mail, by the way, you can. 
Send it to P.O. Box 1777. Not like 1776, the revolution. Think of the year after the revolution. P.O. Box 1777. Attention, Frank Morano. New York, New York, 10163. That's uh, New York, New York, 10163. See, now I feel bad not making Danielle the listener of the week. All right, well, it's something to strive for next week, Danielle. I mean, she's really laying it on, laying me on the guilt, guilt trip pretty thick here. All right. Uh, from the world of Facebook, and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash moranofan. Joe from Ronkonkoma writes of the three-week cough that my wife has had. And Joe writes, my wife and two kids had the same thing, three weeks with a cough. My daughter had it first. The cough lasted about four weeks. Same thing with my son, and now my wife has it, and they said it's a virus. All right. Anthony writes, Anthony Seow or Anthony Chow, can you please give your view on bringing back federal parole on the SIP? We all listen at Fort Dix in New York. Now, first of all, I'm not sure what SIP is. I'm insure, I'm, I'm assuming IP is incarcerated persons. I'm not sure what SIP is. Uh, and, you know, I've spent a lot of time in prisons, never as an inmate, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with prison lingo. If someone knows what SIP is, let me know. Anthony, I'm not aware of, first of all, I don't know how you have Facebook in prison. Everybody that I've corresponded with in prison, they email me through core links. If you want to add me to your approved email list, you're welcome to. Frank.Morano at RedAppleAudioNetworks.com. I'll approve you and we can correspond regularly. But I don't know how you have Facebook, but God bless you, you do. Okay. Um, I'm not aware of if there's a specific policy initiative that you're talking about. But uh, my understanding is they did away with federal parole back in 1987. So I don't know if there is a, a discussion about bringing it back. I am in favor of it bringing it back. I think we need fewer people in prison. I think the fundamental problem with the criminal justice system and maybe with the whole country today is that there are way too many people in prison that don't belong there, and there are way too many people not in prison that do belong there. But if there's something specific that I'm not aware of, sh- shoot me an email. Let me know. I don't know. Nicholas Benedetto writes on uh, Instagram, Frank, it was Joni Mitchell, not Annie Lennox, a stroke survivor. That's why she was sitting and perhaps she spoke that way. I don't, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, no, that wasn't Annie Lennox that said the ceasefire now. Excuse me, it wasn't Joni Mitchell. It was Annie Lennox. They did a duet together, but no, it was Annie Lennox that said ceasefire now. Um, actually, I'm not sure if that was Nicholas Benedetto. No, that was Sharon that wrote me. Also on Instagram, Larry Servasio writes, Frank, Monday, February 5th, special on Netflix, Rick Flair. This is really cool. I did not know that. I'm going to check this out right away. I'm the world's biggest Ric Flair fan, and I have Netflix. So um, rather than watch a Star Trek rerun as I do some biking, um, you know, tomorrow, I will absolutely check out this Ric Flair documentary if I have the time. I'd also love to get Ric Flair on to promote it because he's never been on this radio show, and we are the most pro-Ric Flair radio show there is. Uh, Lou Rom writes, yesterday when we were doing the segment about Miss USA and the age limits, 
This is via SMS text message, and you can send me an SMS as well at uh, 8168Morano. That's 8168 M O R A N O. Very funny. This is about the caller that called in talking about his mother in law and his wife both being hot, who said, Am I the only one that found it a bit gross? He said his in-law was smoking hot. It's not the same as saying she's a good-looking lady. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I think uh, there's nothing wrong. Look, I've complimented. I don't think I've. Yeah, maybe I have called some of my in-laws hot. I sure, probably over the years. I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's okay. Uh, this per- Paul writes. No, excuse me. Johnny Z writes. Good morning, Frank. Perhaps I missed it. I was dozing on and off between been waiting all night for your one and only guaranteed pick for the Super Bowl. Good luck with any pools that you may be in. My promise, I plan on reaching out to you. Uh, I have some information for you. Thank you, buddy. Have a great night. And that story with Carmine was hysterical with the cat urine. Johnny Z in the Bronx. I'm going with the 49ers. I'm rooting for the 49ers. I don't know. I only have, uh, you know, I'm kind of at the end of what's in my checking account, so I don't really have the money to bet right now. Uh, But if I were betting, I'd bet the 49ers, but not with a lot of money. I think it's going to be a very close game, a very competitive game. I know it's kind of rigged because of the Taylor Swift factor. I'm supporting the 49ers, and if I were betting, I would bet the 49ers, even though they're favored by, I think, two and a half points, uh, based on what I've seen. I am in one pool, $50 a box. I bought two boxes with my winnings from the regular season, so I am uh, I'm pretty excited about that, and I'm hoping for a win, so we'll see. All right, uh, Paul Gambino writes, not cool, Frank. This is about my saying, adults shouldn't get one another birthday gifts. Not cool, Frank. Let the person whose birthday it is decide if they want gifts or not. I'm 51, and I still love getting gifts. After the everyday of BS, it's nice to know on your birthday you're still going to be showered with gifts. You know, he's right. I guess different strokes for different folks. Don't get me any gifts. And if you want to do me a solid, you want to get me a gift, say I don't have to get you any gifts. That's my dream. But you know what? Some people like gifts, so be it. All right. Uh, Original Rick writes, I think Jay-Z's comment about album of the year was a veiled dig at Taylor Swift. She has won that category more than I think anyone in the last decade. Remember when Kanye West jumped on stage and said Beyonce should have won. You know, you might be right. Uh, Might be right. I think he was just kind of being a sore winner, honestly. Jay from Jersey writes, I don't know if aliens exist or have visited Earth, but my question would be, how come all of our advanced multi-billion dollar satellites haven't picked up any aliens in all their pictures of the universe? Until there is concrete evidence, I can't really believe this stuff. Well, Jay, that's a perfectly reasonable position and one backed up by a lot of scientists. The question that I ask then is why? Fermi's paradox. If the universe is so vast... Why have we not seen any aliens? Is it because there are none? Are we the only intelligent life anywhere in the universe? Or because nobody has chosen to come here? If it's number two, and this is what, you know, I was trying to, um, you know, hash out on Monday. And, you know, we got some interesting calls on it, but I don't, I haven't gotten a great answer. If it's number two that they've chosen not to come here, why? Have they chosen not to come here even though they have the ability? Or do they not have the ability? If so, why? Is there a point that once you get that kind of technology, you blow yourself up? A lot of people think there is. I don't know. That's what I was trying to explore on Monday.
Uh, Anonymous writes, love when there is dead air for eight seconds to start the show, and love even more when your intro is clobbered by a useless voiceover. Um, I can assure you, Anonymous, that as much as that may drive you crazy, I dislike it even more. The Learner writes via text, Spirits known as ghosts are smarter than people. The great misconception about ghosts is that they do go around frightening people. It's not true, so don't believe it. From The Learner. Thank you, The Learner. Martin Smith writes on Facebook, I'll check out the George Anderson interview. He was discovered by radio host Joel Martin on WBAB radio in the early 80s. When I had a session with George in 1982 at his home, his full-time job was working for the telephone company. His technique then was called automatic writing where he would scribble on a pad as he got messages. Speaking of Joel Martin, he would be a good guest as he had a lot of paranormal topics on his show, but kind of disappeared from radio. You know, Martin, that's a great suggestion. I remember Joel Martin. I don't believe I know him, but I will, uh, I'll see if I can get in touch with him. Great thought. Greg writes um, via email, and you can always email me, frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. That's uh, redapple, frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. Greg writes, um, Frank, I'm very disappointed when you descend into politics. You made some comments late in the show last night about Biden. Everything else you do on your show is excellent enough that you don't need to stoop to that level. It's such a divisive issue, like the country being 50-50, that you shouldn't risk alienating part of your audience. Be above that. You don't need it. Greg, first of all, I think I discuss politics less than almost any other mainstream talk show host, uh, number one. Number two, I view this show as a variety show. You're going to get a little bit of everything. You get a little bit of history. You get a little bit of mystery. You get a little bit of aliens. You get a little bit of conspiracies. You get a little bit of uh, my personal life and my personal stories. You get a little bit of talk about relationships. You get a little bit of talk about AI. You get a little bit of talk about movies and pop culture. You get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And yes, you do get a little bit of politics. Uh, If you don't like it, we cover so many subjects in such a short amount of time that I promise you, if you don't like what we're talking about 15 minutes from now, 20 minutes from now, there'll be something that hopefully you do like. I appreciate the feedback and the fact that you, um, you know, listen regularly. Mary writes uh, on the subject of George Anderson. I'm so glad you had George on. I myself have read all the books, his as well as the ones written about him. In 2015, my husband got me a session as an anniversary gift. It was scheduled ahead of time, and a few days before my appointment, my dad died. I went for the appointment. To say it was emotional would be an understatement, but I recorded it. I found it to be so accurate. So many loved ones came that our session actually went much longer. I was able to get so much peace and acceptance from it. I haven't gone back, but I have other friends and families that also went to see him. I'm also Catholic and went to 12 years of Catholic school, and I found a deeper belief in my religion after reading the first book, We Don't Die, which a friend referred to me after my oldest brother died. Well, thank you, Mary. Glad you enjoyed the interview. Evelyn writes on the subject of, um, this is last week's Listener of the Week, on the subject of paying children to go to school. Absolutely not. My school is inner city elementary. Parental circumstances vary. Some excuses are flimsy, some valid. Absenteeism, aside from illness, lies with the parent, whether single or married, despite the circumstances. Got it, Evelyn. Thank you. Um, David writes, 
Hey, Frank, did you talk about your experiences at that private club that you went to recently? I know you mentioned you were going last week, but I don't remember hearing you discuss it after that. Yeah, we went to the, um, it was a lot of fun. We went to the um, soft open on Wednesday night, or when, yeah, Wednesday night, had a great time. And I went back for um, a bowl of soup and a drink on Saturday afternoon. Both, both were great. Little pricey get for the food, given the fact that you're already paying to be a member. But you know th- th- that is obviated a little bit by the fact that you can bring drinks there and not have to buy drinks. So uh, it was though quite pricey for a bowl of lobster bisque, which was great, by the way. But maybe I'll do a Facebook video about it this weekend. John writes on the subject of asylum seekers. Asylum seekers who are in this country illegally should not punch and kick police officers. It's poor salesmanship. Fair, fair, fair. Mike writes on the subject of Seinfeld. Um, he writes, Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm? Which is funnier? That's a great question. This question is so difficult to answer, perhaps there is no right or wrong answer. The shows are so unique and yet so similar in their own way. Larry David has brought us both in his own comedic genius way. This is his story, his world, as he sees it in both. The subtle differences are just enough to keep us totally entertained. If I had to, I would guess Curb is closer to Larry's reality. Seinfeld is like high school, just edgy enough so as not to offend the masses, and Curb, more like grad school for the adults in the room, where the themes and profanity fly with no concern for the sensitive among us. I love both. If I had to choose, I'd rather not. We should just be thankful for what we've got here and enjoy the heck out of it. Both are pretty, pretty good. Thank you for always great radio each and every day, Mike out. Well said, Mike. What Much better said than I ever could. Um, Ray writes on the subject of alien visitation. Very disappointed that I was on hold for 90 minutes this morning and never got on. I am the ultimate skeptic of alien visitation. I believe the closest we've come to being visited was Lucy and Ethel as women from Mars atop the Empire State Building shouting, It's a moo-moo. Bless you and your family always and uh, and in all ways. Well, Ray, you got to understand, you know, we're syndicated in dozens of different radio stations around the country, and not all the stations carry all every hour of this show. So if you were on hold on a topic that I covered in one hour, I you know, might not take it in the next hour because the markets that I'm in that are carrying that hour might not have heard the previous hour. So I'm sorry that you were on hold that long, but uh, next time you call, let us know, and we will put you to the front of the line. I appreciate your writing. Uh, Evelyn writes, Frank, given your seemingly boundless energy, despite work schedule being a big chunk of daytime for show prep, family schedule, time for Carmine, social life, taking care of a house, watching films, etc., you've got to be on a vitamin regimen. Interested to know what you take if you'll share that. Evelyn, I have to tell you, I take everything. I, I, it would have been, it'd be a shorter list of things that I don't take. I take uh, Balance of Nature. I take uh, a supplement called Berberine. I take green tea extract. I take uh, vitamin A. I take vitamin B12. I take vitamin B, uh, vitamin D3. I take vitamin C. I take a supplement that Bernard Getz recommended to me called BHT. I take vitamin E. I take everything. I take fiber capsules. I take fiber and spices supplements. I take everything. Um, 
I'm probably, that's just off the top of my head. I'm sure there's a few that I neglected to mention. But yeah, you know, uh, I you don't keep this schedule with this amount of energy, energy without taking something. And so I'm not taking any performance-enhancing drugs, but I am taking those. Uh, Isaac writes, Frank, your memorial tribute for Carl Weathers was outstanding radio. Loved it. Thank you, Isaac. Uh, Lydia, excuse me, Linda writes on the Crumbly murder case. Hi, Frank. I just tuned in and heard you sounding sympathetic for the school shooters. Mom, I don't know all that you've been saying, but here's some info. The kid was 100% mental and both parents knew. The kid frequently tortured and killed birds and small animals and then cut off their heads and took them to school and placed them in the school bathrooms and other random locations. Somehow this was kept out of the trial. The parents knew their little sweet son did this, tortured, killed animals. The kid constantly begged for help said he heard voices telling them to kill people, and the parents knew this. There are many, many more things to say about all this, but it would take a long time for me to say it. The bottom line, both parents and the school employees are culpable. Culpability is one thing. And uh, Linda in Michigan listening on AM 910, the Superstation. Culpability is one thing. The legal definition of manslaughter is another. These are terrible parents. I can absolutely see them being found uh, liable in a civil judgment. But I think once we start finding the parents of school shooters guilty of manslaughter, it's going to open the floodgates and set a precedent that I'm not sure we're prepared for. Bruce, the husband of um, Ellen from the Facebook group, who's one of our greatest listeners, writes, the first email I think I've ever gotten from Bruce, on the subject of Groundhog Day. Good morrow, Frank. I am Ellen Metzger's husband, Bruce. I heard you recently rave about the Groundhog Day movie that we never watched. We decided to make watching that our Saturday night event. Previously, thought it was a stupid movie and a waste of time. I was so wrong. Loved it. So meaningful in many ways, worth watching again. So thanks for the recommendation and thanks for having such a diverse show. A loyal but not as loyal listener as Ellen, original Bruce Metzger from the Garden State of New Jersey. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, you know, I don't get paid for reviewing movies or recommending movies or TV shows or books, but it really makes me feel good when uh, something that I've recommended, you know, brings somebody a little bit of happiness. So I'm happy to hear that. Uh, this is from a retired judge. Subject, tooth polish. You have to explain your logic. He'll be, my son calls it tooth polish because I call it tooth polish instead of toothpaste. He'll be in the Farrell locker room after wrestling practice. He'll say tooth polish. The other guys will beat the crap out of him. But all the girls will feel sorry for him. Thus, tooth polish is a chick magnet. Thank you, Judge. Gnome Laden joins me next, and your phone calls. You want to comment on anything we've covered this hour, you're welcome to. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Gnome Laden joins me straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is Toby Keith uh, singing one of his best-known songs, Should Have Been a Cowboy. It was just about 24 hours ago where uh, we learned that uh, he had died at the age of 62 after battling stomach cancer. And uh, the man that brought us that news has stepped back into our studio. Let's hope he doesn't kill off anybody today. Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. From New York City, the other side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. <laughs> no, in the immortal words of Olympia Dukakis in Moonstruck, who's dead? Uh, well, it's not humans today. Okay, that's but a start. it is whales. And we're watching this really closely in the uh, Japan's northern island of Hokkaido. There are 10 killer whales that are trapped in the sea ice. It's really intense to watch. These fishermen noticed it on Monday. They put a drone up in the air yesterday, and I was watching this footage this morning. You might remember if the story sounds familiar. This has happened before, almost in the exact same area. It's an area where the sea ice sort of hugs the coast every winter. Now, whatever you want to call it, global warming, the environment. Over the last couple of years, the ice has tended to thin in the wintertime in this portion of the sea, but not this year. The ice is thick. They are unable to get out to it to break up the ice to help these whales out. So these orcas, these killer whales, 10 of them stuck in the ice as of even this morning. And we were watching to see if there's anybody who can help them. But they say they just can't get near to them because the ice block is so strong. Last time this happened, which was a number of years ago, all the whales died. They think that may happen this time oh, as well. Geez. Yeah, yeah. It's so just how really many whales sad. are we talking about? Here? Ten. Oh, that yeah, is and these are decent-sized whales. They don't think they're going to be able to do anything out of, about it. It was 2005, by the way, the last time this happened, and the ice hasn't just been huh. thick the last couple winters, but this winter it is. 
and they are stuck as we speak. So let's hope something happens well, that they can there figure it out. That humans can do to help them. No, uh, they just say they can't get close enough to break it awful. open. The, there was thought of maybe dropping something, but then they're worried about hurting the whales. So they may come up with something. There's still time, but mm. right now it does not look good for that those is whales. Awful. That's yeah. a bummer. Yeah, it is. Senator Bernie Sanders once again taking the pharmaceutical industry to task, issuing this report last night that highlights the cost of three blockbuster drugs that are far pricier in the U.S. than they are in other countries. He's going to hold a hearing tomorrow that probably will be sensational in the same way that some of these other recent hearings have been. The differences in the prices of drugs from here around the world is just striking. And you sort of scratch your head and say, wait, we're the country that's inventing a lot of these drugs. Why are we paying so damn much for them? The annual list of uh, Bristol-Myers Squibb's Eloquist, which is this uh, blood thinner that reduces the risk of stroke, it is on average about $7,000 a year to get this drug. But if you go to Japan today, it's $940. In Canada, it's 900 bucks. In Germany, it's 700 bucks. In the United Kingdom, it's 760. In France, it's 650. So a whole lot cheaper. And Bernie Sanders is going to pound his fist on the table, as some other senators, both sides of the aisle, by the way, and going to say, come on, what's going on? So he's asking all of the CEOs of these pharmaceutical companies to come to Washington, and they're going to be there. Uh, Johnson & Johnson, they have that arthritis drug, Stellara. It carries an annual list price in the U.S. of $79,000. Wow. I mean, who can pay something like that? Well, I mean, you know, even if you have help from Medicare or anything else, that's a, a ton of money. In Germany, that same drug is 30000 In Canada, 20000 So a whole lot less. Sanders, of course, who's the independent from Vermont, issuing this report of head of this hearing with the CEOs. Uh, Johnson & Johnson reached out to them yesterday. They declined to comment on this report. Uh, Merck and Bristol-Myers Squibb uh, also have not commented on this report, but their CEOs will be before Congress tomorrow to answer this. Well, I am so glad that uh, Senator Sanders is holding this hearing because at the very least, even if no legislation comes out of this or even if these uh, companies aren't shamed into lowering their prices for American consumers, at the very least, this is going to bring attention to a very real problem among Americans because – this is actually a real issue, unlike so much of what Congress does and the pro-wrestling theater that we spend so much time paying attention to. People are really, in some cases, dying yeah. because they can't afford these drugs. And I, what, what I'll, I'll be interested in seeing out of this hearing, and maybe we'll play some of the audio tomorrow, is if these drug companies, Johnson & Johnson, Merck, and Bristol-Myers Squibb, if they're actually price gouging, if they're ripping off the American people, because the argument as to why these drug prices always have to be so high is, well, we need this for research and right. development. And you wonder how much is really going to research and development, how much is going to things like marketing, so every other commercial is a drug commercial, and how much is going to the benefit of these shareholders. I suspect a good deal of this is corporate greed. Yeah, well, it could be corporate greed. They'll push back and say, hey, the FDA makes it really hard to get these drugs to market, and you have to go through these enormously long trials that are years long to get these drugs to market, and those trials cost tens, hundreds of millions of dollars, and they say they want to recoup their money. 
they will claim that the profit margin is not as large as Frank Morano thinks it is. Well, and what Bernie Sanders report claims that it is. It becomes a difficult argument to make that they're actually they're making these narrow profits when the CEOs are receiving tens of millions of dollars in compensation. Yeah. Could they receive nine million dollars of compensation and then charge forty thousand for an arthritis drug they instead could. of seventy nine thousand? I am uh, glad that Senator Sanders is holding the, these this hearing. I'm glad the hearing is bipartisan, and uh, wherever this goes, I hope it leads to everybody having a conversation about this. I love, Frank, when people test out return policies for stores that have really lenient store return policies just to see what happens. So I was speaking with this woman, Jackie Nguyen. She returned a couch to Costco that she bought three and a half years ago. Now, it was not under wraps. It was sitting in her house. She's been sitting on it. She's single. She lives in an apartment alone. She says, after three and a half years of looking at this couch, she said, you know what? I don't like the color. So she brought the couch back, no receipt in hand, because it's three and a half years ago. She rolls the couch in on one of those big carts into Costco. The people say, what's this all about? And she says, I want to return it. Where's your receipt? I don't have it. They look it up. They're able to find it because she remembers the date that she bought it. There it is. Sees that she bought it for a couple thousand dollars. They took the couch back. And did they give her store credit? No. They gave her cash. They gave her money back and put it back into her account. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Three and a half years. Well, what is the policy of Costco? Well, Costco has a policy. They take anything back. So uh, you can. No matter how long? Yeah, there's no. Apparently, there is no end date of how long you can hold on to a couch. Three and a half years of sitting on this couch. It's brown. She said she didn't like the color anymore. She now returned it. It wasn't even store credit. You could say even that's outrageous. But the fact is, no, they put the money back into her account. It's hers again. You have all these stores that have pretty lenient policies. Uh, You might remember L.L. Bean, the retailer, the clothing retailer up in Maine. They used to have a policy where you could bring back clothes that were destroyed, ripped apart, you know, that you had gotten money, whatever. They would take it back. But then people got uh, crazy and they started taking advantage of this and doing essentially what Jackie did, bringing back stuff that was just destroyed after years and years. And they couldn't. They couldn't afford to do it anymore. So now they have a policy. You have a year to return it, which I, seems a long time anyway. A year of wearing clothes. I mean, she, Jackie Nguyen could bring back her whole wardrobe and say, you know what? I want to change it out. I don't like the color anymore. It's all brown, just like her couch. Very reasonable. Yeah. Uh, there are other stores as well. Uh, Target, some other stores have just now have these lists because it has gone nutty where people who are serial returners are now on this list and they won't let them return items anymore, right, they, right. which I mean, makes you, sense. You know, that's what happens. These people ruin it for everybody. Everything. Everything. There's always somebody that pushes the limit. Yeah. Three and a half years. Can't imagine. You Can't want one imagine. more or you yeah, don't? Yeah, why not? Why okay. Not? These um, marijuana retailers in Connecticut and New York are having interesting problems. So in New York, there is too much pot on the market. There's uh, so many stores and there's so much pot, they don't know what to do with it. So now what they're actually going to do is destroy good marijuana. You're kidding. No, the farmers have done so well in New York creating the weed, but the demand is not as high in New York as it should be. And um, part of the issue is New York has done a terrible job of rolling out these marijuana stores. Once they made it legal, there's just not enough stores to sell it. 
Yes, some of it's being sold illegally, but we're talking about the legal marijuana farming that New York supports is creating so much marijuana that the stores can't sell it fast enough. So now some of this pot's going to go to waste. Connecticut, which if you're not familiar with the United States, is right next door, right? We share a border with them. Connecticut uh, has the opposite problem. They have a ton of stores, but they don't have enough stock. So what would make sense to do? Send some of our surplus to Connecticut. Of course, you sell it to them, and everybody's right. happy, right. right? Farmers here would be happy. So the what's, store owners, what's the problem? You can't do it. You can't cross federal lines oh, because marijuana is not federally legal. Oh, boy. So you can't do that. So there's no way to do it. So what's happening is in Connecticut, people are going to go back to the black market, to their local dealer, things that people that uh, Connecticut officials were hoping to stop the black market of weed being sold. And essentially, in some places, they have, right? They've stopped those drug dealers, that corner deal from happening because you can just go into your local store and buy it. But Connecticut says there's not enough weed to go around. And so, yeah, they've watched on in the last couple months. As people just go back to what they did before it was legal, they go find their local dealer and they're buying it from him, even though right next door they could sniff it over the border, the marijuana. There's a ton of it here in New York. We can't sell it to Connecticut. That is a shame all around. Do you smoke marijuana? No. No. Okay. Uh, Do you know, uh, based on your extensive research, if there's generally a – the kind that's sold in New York, for instance – is there a big difference between the uh, in the potency or the you know whatever else the characteristics of the legal marijuana versus the illegal marijuana that people can you know, get them buy in these you know fly by night shops? These farms have done an incredible job. Have you walked into any of the legal marijuana shops in New York yet? I don't think so, but I, I pass them all the time. It's like walking into an Apple store, the legal ones. I'm not talking about the illegal ones because mo- there's uh, tons uh, more right, than illegal right, shops. Right, right, right. But the legal shops, it's like walking into an Apple store. Someone comes up to you right away. They say, okay, what do you want to use this for? You, oh, I want to get high be- while I'm hiking. This is the perfect brand of weed to get high while you're hiking. Oh, you know what? I'm having a hard time concentrating. I'm writing a book. you got to take this gummy right over here. It's unbelievable the level of knowledge these guys have and the deals they'll make. And it's all, you know, it's, you know, to somebody who has watched, you know, go from illegal to legal, it is fascinating to watch. And you sort of say, like, wow, what's going on here? Like, they have every kind of brand of weed, and they have it for every moment in your life. If you want to get just crazy high, they recommend something like that as well. So, you know, they'll say, here's, take this, smoke this, eat this. Well, I applaud you for your extensive research yeah. on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. No. And now you know the rest of the story. By the way, for those of you that are interested in staring at the stars and the planets while you're getting high, our poll up at Twitter at Frank Morano is running away with it for Pluto. We asked the question, should Pluto be reinstated as a planet? And so far, 75% of people that voted said uh, no. Excuse me, said yes, it should be reinstated, and only 2.8% said no. The rest said leave it to astronomers. So if you want to vote, uh, go to Twitter at Frank Morano. Hey, speaking of Twitter, I got a direct message on Twitter from Juliana Reck, who is celebrating her birthday today. She's 54, and uh, she shares her birthday with Charles Dickens and some other folks. And she asked if we could play You'll Always Find Me in the Kitchen at Parties by Jonah Louie. Unfortunately, we did not have 
that song in our library. But good day, Juliana, and hopefully you have a fine birthday. And if you're interested in Charles Dickens, be sure to listen to the interview that we did last week with Helena Kelly because I think uh, I think it was really interesting, certainly illustrative for me. Meantime, if you want to call in, you can do so, 800-848-9222. Phil in Virginia, which is for lovers, has been holding for a while to talk about Patty Hearst. Phil, give me your thoughts on Patty Hearst. I think Phil might be asleep. Phil. Phil. Yeah, definitely asleep. You know, I'll say this about Phil. He doesn't have a heavy snore like the Larrys in Brooklyn's and that guy Mike uh, early on. Hey, look, it happens. Uh, we'll leave, leave Phil there. We'll monitor his, uh, his sleep cycle to see if there are any signs of sleep apnea or anything like that. Now, uh, today is also the birthday of Gay Talese. You know who Gay Talese is? Gay Talese is probably one of the greatest entertainment journalists ever. Ever, he wrote what I consider to be the finest piece of entertainment journalism ever. Frank Sinatra has a cold, and it seems apropos that we would uh, be talking about gay. You know, I'm going to try and get Gay Talese on this program again before you know he hits a hundred because he's 92 now. Who knows how many more radio interviews he has left? But um, he did this article for Esquire magazine called Frank Sinatra has a cold. Seems apropos to do this because right now the duet, Something Stupid, between Frank and Nancy Sinatra is now charting again. It's now on the Billboard list of hit songs again because it's getting a lot of popularity from, of all things, TikTok. So, uh, happy birthday to Gay Talese. And uh, I thought it would be an interesting time to look back at some at my interview with Gay Talese that I guess I did about, I don't know, 10 years ago. And I asked him about his style of writing. Because if you ever read Gay Talese, it's similar to uh, Truman Capote or Hunter S. Thompson, which is they're writing fact, but they're writing about it in the style of a novel. So I asked him about his style of writing. I did come upon a few paperback books of short story collections. And one was by F. Scott Fitzgerald, and another was by Ernest Hemingway. We're talking about very big names. I know you're, you, you'll share that for, uh, sure, analysis. Sure, absolutely. And I started to read short stories, which of course are fiction, but they're beautifully drawn. Characters are described. There's dialogue. There's scene setting. It's like a visual movie. It's like a, a, a prose form of movie making, scenes. And I was much taken with the idea of being a writer of fact, but sounding like a writer of fiction. So what about that title of that piece, Frank Sinatra Has a Cold? Why that title? It's kind of an odd name for an article. Why was it called Frank Sinatra Has a Cold? Well, after I had got the assignment, as you mentioned, from Esquire magazine in 1966, the presentation by the press agent Frank Sinatra to me was that Frank will talk to you, come out to L.A., and that Esquire had guaranteed Sinatra and his lawyer and press agent a cover story. It was definitely going to be on the cover of Esquire. So that's a big deal for me, at least. And when I flew out to Los Angeles uh, the day after I arrived, expecting I'd see Sinatra 
very soon, maybe within the day or the next day. Press agent called me at my hotel and said, you know, Frank has a cold. I said, oh, it's a shame. Um, I guess it'll be a couple of days. Well, he said, it might be longer. I said, oh. He said, you know, Frank is having second thoughts about this. I said, why? He said, well, he's a little worried that maybe you're writing about his alleged current connections to organized crime figures. He said, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that at all. The interesting thing, and I think this is the most interesting thing about that article, because it is probably the best profile of Frank Sinatra ever written. He never interviewed Frank Sinatra, which is incredible. You'd never know it by reading this piece. And you can still read it. It's online. I recommend it. And to me, when I read the piece, it reminded me of the film Citizen Kane, which is one of my favorite films. And it might be my favorite film. And in that film, the portrait of a very complicated man, Charles Foster Kane, is painted not through his words or speaking to the uh, person that's doing the newsreel about him or the piece about him. Because, well, I don't want to say why. But the portrait that you get of Charles Foster Kane's life from the time he's a child until, you know, he's an older man is painted through everybody else. It's painted through this reporter interviewing everybody that knew him, his ex-wife, his guardian, his friends, the people that worked for him. That's how you get a picture of who Charles Foster Kane is. And that's what Gay Talese did in Frank Sinatra Has a Cold. So I asked him about that comparison. The profile came together much better than I think it could have ever come together had you interviewed him. And, and you know, one of the things that struck me is it was so similar to Citizen Kane. You have all these oh, yes. people um, talking about Sinatra. And just like in the movie Citizen Kane, you know, they never get to interview you know, Charles Foster Frank, Kane. I never thought of that. Here it is. Here it is. I'm talking to you at age 82, and you're not even half as old as I am. But you're talking to me for the first time about something I'd never thought of. I think you are right. I think there is. I mean, I didn't think of it when I was writing it. I didn't think of it until two two seconds ago since you suggested the idea. But it is, in form at least, like the great film Citizen Kane. But, you know, it, it is often the case, if you're talking to a super, superstar, one who's been in the limelight for decades and decades, that if you finally do talk to them, they don't really have anything to say to you. And the reason you, they don't have anything to say to you is because they don't really know mm. who they are mm. because they've been so accustomed to being projected as something other than they are, which is a, a dynamic personality sure. morning, noon, and night, year after year, year after year. And in the case of Sinatra, though he had a brief decline, as you know, prior to getting a part in From Here to Eternity in that wonderful role he played, Maggio the Soldier, in that James Jones novel that became a great movie. But he then came back, and he he lives on long after his death, as we're aware of it. And here's, you know, you and many others are are marking the next birthday of Sinatra as if he's around to celebrate. <laughs> Gay Talese, happy birthday. We're marking your birthday, and we hope you're around for many more. I'm going to reach out to him uh, this week and see if we can't get him back on the radio. We'll do 15 seconds of fame. Hey, let's check in with Phil. In- Phil's still asleep. All right, we'll do 15 seconds of fame in a moment. 800-848-9222, where you can comment on anything you like for 15 seconds. Straight ahead. 
other side of midnight. singing one of our theme songs there. This is The Other Side of Midnight, and now is your opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds at 800-848-9222 as part of... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Mike! Morning, Frank. The Other Side of Midnight is like an analgesic. It relieves pain while not making you sleepy or groggy. Well, sometimes, but on... But unlike an analgesic, it's habit-forming and sometimes addictive, mostly. Best to keep some Narcan handy just in case you overdose. Steve. Robert. Democrats call themselves progressive, liberals, socialists. They're communists. Don't vote for them. Save your country. Phil. Phil might still be asleep. Rusty. Yes, you got to talk about the border, Frank. You, you keep saying that the migrants—they're legal scum. They're going to kill this country. You got to do that, Maria. Oh, Rusty, give it a break, Rosebud. And Frank, I didn't hear you read my postcard. I was getting so excited. Maybe next week. Uh, yeah, I don't believe I received it yet. Maybe it's still no. at the post office. You're excellent, Frank. You have a good day, kiddo. Thank you, Marie. 800 Um, Also, we see if we can squeeze in one more here uh, before we call it a night. Mike! Yes. Mr. Trump, you'll always be called President Trump. Step down, let Alan West run. All right, thank you, Mike. I'm glad we got that in there. All right, that slams the lid on things for today. Unless he's mad at me for skipping his lunch, Brian Kilmeade will be here tomorrow, and a whole lot more. Frank Morano, good day.